Let's start with the reading out of Colossians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. He, speaking of Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. I love that passage. Jesus is the head of the body. And that's the name we're going to take a look at today. I can remember when I was a boy, you heard this, these expressions a lot more then than you do today. You know, to get your head on straight. Or you would forget your head if it wasn't glued on your, on your body. That one bothered me as a boy, frankly. I thought, that's possible? It's possible to forget your head. That, that bothered me somewhat. But still, what does it mean to be the head of the body? We could hit this on a surface level and be done, but then what would we do with the next 25 minutes? So let's dig in a bit more, but we're not going to overdig. It was a tendency of many early Christians to over-allegorize everything. For example, the sword of the spirit, uh, one, was, one thing was the point, and one side, uh, one blade was, was one thing, and another aspect was another blade, and then the hilt, and we're not going to do all that. We're going to just take a look at what does it mean when it says Jesus is head of the body. And that's where it gets tricky. Because we use a lot of illustrations uh, to describe who Jesus is for the church. One of those illustrations is that he is the head of the church like the father is the head of the family. But the fact is, many families don't have a father. And that illustration falls on deaf ears, or it falls on sensitive ears because some fathers in our day, let's face it, in all days, but in particular, we know about it today, they become predators, or they become problems, or they become uh, tyrants of one sort or the other, or they've just gone absent entirely. What, what power does that illustration have anymore? It's a struggle. But another struggle is with the word head. The meaning of the word head has changed over the years. That's not to be surprised. Lots of words have. When we think of head, what do you think of? If we were to give you sheets of paper and say, write some synonyms down for the word head, many of you would come up with about the same list. You know, dictator, ruler, in charge of, boss. And none of those are highly attractive words. None of those are happy words on yay instead we need to take a look at that word and what did it mean to them how is he the head as words change they can even become opposite for example words such as cool and hot have had various meanings through the years Fat has had various meanings. Wicked, you know, somebody will go, oh, that's wicked. But they, they don't mean it's sinful and evil and we should avoid it. Many times they mean, well, that's wonderful. Words change meaning. We're, we're entering Advent. This is the first Sunday of Advent, although we're not starting our Advent sermons till next week because I'm OCD and that's December, not this one. So, um, and by the way, OCD is spelled wrong. It should be in alphabetical order. But the point is, the point is still valid, and that is this. Words change. The word for housewife in Shakespeare time was hussy. 
Gentlemen, no. Some of you are thinking, oh, that's no, no, no. I don't have the time to work with your family as it implodes. There, the worst word Shakespeare could think of to call somebody was mischievous. Because that was looked upon as demon-possessed evil from beginning to end. Today, that does, that's not what that means. If you were to go to the first century and ask people what the word head meant, they would supply you with a different list of synonyms. They would say protector, provider, lover, responsible for, or developer of. In other words, it was responsibility, not rank. It was sacrifice, not selfishness. Remember back in those days, they looked upon their rulers paternalistically as these are our, our fathers of our nation. And yet those fathers didn't send people to war. They led them. They went in front of them. They didn't require more from the people than they gave. Instead, they tried to show the example by giving if they were a good king or a good prime minister or a good president. The word head is changed in meaning, and we need to get back to understanding what it meant to them. It meant duty, not domination. Headship is a high and holy calling. And before you go too far with this, you do need to understand it absolutely implies leadership, but a particular kind of leadership. The head. I like studying the head. And neuroscience is my thing. And people often get that confused with neurology and they'll think I know something else. I don't. I just know the brain. And people will say, well, you know, I've got a problem here, there. Sorry, not in the brain pan. I can't help you. Uh, it's got to be on the other side of the brain blood barrier or I can't do anything about it. I love the head. And one of the things I was asked to do a few years ago in Colorado was to give a speech to high school seniors about their brains. And I was very excited. In fact, I went overtime. I was so excited. Uh, good news, not excited today. So we're good. We're good. Everything's fine. Um, so I stood up and I talked to them about their body and the brain relationship. And I encapsulated it into one phrase that several of the teens said helped them from then on. And that is this. The job of your body is to keep your head alive. Everything in the body is designed to keep your brain functioning. It has to have the... In fact, every heartbeat between 20%, that would be normal, all the way up to over 35%, that would be in times of stress or concentration, of your blood's oxygen and nutrients are sent to the brain. It needs your first attention. Your brain is where you live. And, and in fact, that cortex of your brain is, is pretty much who you are and where you are. That's where you form or where is formed the you, your brain. Your body supports the brain. Now, some of you might be thinking, duh, no, there's a point to this. The body doesn't always listen to the brain. Some of you experienced that this week. You were sitting comfortably, watching football or whatever you were doing, trying to concentrate on a wonderful game, but the cookies were making too much noise. Now, they were downstairs in another room, but you could still hear them. 
and, and you weren't able to hear Vern Lundquist. Sorry, bad illustration. Uh, you, you weren't able to hear whoever was, was, was yammering on during the contest. So to silence them, you had to eat them. You had to go down and take care of the leftovers. Now, you weren't hungry. Your brain even said, you're not hungry. You've overeaten. You don't want to be unhealthy. I shouldn't eat these things. But your body found itself walking downstairs. It never turns out well, does it? You never sit in a chair going, I am so glad I overate. Oh, that makes me happy. That's listening to your body instead of your head. If we want to be the church that Jesus wants us to be, we've got to be willing to follow Jesus as he leads us, as he turns, as he directs our steps, as he takes us places, some of those places that we might not even want to go. Jesus warned us of that when he turned to Peter once and he said, one of these days, they're going to take you where you do not want to go, Peter. Do you really want to follow me? My brain has taken me to places I didn't intend to go. I didn't want to go. But I knew I had a duty. I had a, I had a, I had a requirement, a responsibility. And my head told my body, you got to go anyway. God is saying Jesus leads us because he is your head. 1 Corinthians 11, a very difficult chapter, by the way to interpret. And I've got my own interpretation, but I'm not going to do all that this morning. Verse 3, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, this is thrown off a lot of folk. Please remember, gentlemen, it does not mean that you get to dominate your wife at all. Please remember, women, it does not mean you are subordinate in any stretch of the imagination. In fact, in that chapter, you are called helper a word which is normally reserved for God. But here, he's trying to get you in line, saying, we all have to follow our head. Who is our head? Our head is Christ. Don't get into the weeds on this one. Just remember that. In fact, let's move on to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. The Son is the image of the invisible God. By the way, that's the best news you'll ever hear all day. What's God like? Look at Jesus. That's what God is like. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. It's all about him. Our job is to support our head, Jesus Christ, in all things. Just as the body without the head is dead... And nothing, so is the church, so is society, so is the family. My wife and I are watching a show last night on Netflix, and the name of the show is not important. The point is, what I've noticed ever since I was a wee boy and would watch shows, I guess American shows would be um, like I Love Lucy reruns or Flintstones. Yes, that made it across the pond. Uh, we learned all we knew, needed to know about American culture that way. 
Um, oh, it got worse. Later, when Cammy and I were living there, uh, the shows that came across were Dallas and Dynasty. So we learned that about you as well. But even as a wee boy, I would watch, in every I Love Lucy, somebody lied, and that caused a cascading set of problems. Every Flintstone, somebody lied, that caused a cascading set of problems. Even as a boy, I would look at that and say, well, why aren't they learning? Why, where's Jesus? Where's the Jesus? Jesus isn't in this room. He's not in the story, and that's why it's going wrong. Last night, I couldn't help but think, all of this could have been solved if they'd listened to the head. If they just listened to the head. Took our grandsons to see Moana. By the way, good movie, not going to knock it. It was a lot of fun, exceptionally well done when it comes to art and uh, telling Polynesian st uh, stories. But as we drove home, uh, and without the grands, the grands now were away and we're driving back, I said, have you ever noticed something about every Disney movie where a girl is the hero? She only becomes the hero if she refuses to listen to her community and her father. She has to be rebellious to community and father to be a hero. And we start going through them, and yeah, every single one of them. Why is it the world wants us to learn that lesson? Wouldn't it be more beneficial to us to learn, listen to your head, instead of what we're always told, follow your heart? I don't know about you, but my heart's stupid. <laughs> it is. Oh, I love chocolate cake. Four chocolate cakes later, that was stupid. That was the head saying that. My heart has gotten me in all kinds of trouble. What about you? Maybe, maybe not you. Maybe, I'm, but hey, I, I've, I promised I would live my life openly. My heart has gotten me in stupid situations. My heart has made me buy stuff I did not need, go places I should not have gone, and say things I should not have said because I followed my heart. But even you watch the original Star Wars movie, which seems a bit klutzy and silly now. I'm sorry, those of you, that that's blasphemy, but there it is. Uh, reality is what reality is. Whenever you want to learn how to fly a state-of-the-art fighter aircraft, evidently the lesson is don't think. Don't think, just feel. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> We're going to put somebody in, a, in an F-15 and say, now, it's important that you don't think. Just follow your heart. Well, which button should I push? Let your heart guide you. No, that's stupid. You're going to launch a missile on your aircraft carrier into the aircraft carrier. Don't do that. Listen to your head, but be aware the world is telling you, ignore the head. Listen to your heart. Mm. Let's, let's get these two together first, shall we? When messages from the head are not listened to by the body or are misinterpreted by the body, we get things like Lou Gehrig's disease, MS, Parkinson's, because the brain is either not telling the body what to do or the body's not receiving the right signal. There are a lot of churches out there that have MS, Lou Gehrig's, and Parkinson's that aren't going where the head wants them to go. I can remember back in Scotland listening to an interview with the Archbishop of Canterbury, one of the top, um, top people, really, in the Church of England, 
if you're talking about religious people, there's a political thing over top of them. The point, sorry, uh, that's, that's in the weeds. Here's the point. They were, they were talking about, is Christianity really the only faith? And, and the answer the archbishop kept saying was, no, no, there are many paths to heaven. You don't need to believe any of this stuff. Resurrection or virgin birth, none of that stuff. And so the interviewer read Mark 16, 16 to, to the uh, archbishop. Now that, we're not going to get into the, the controversies over Mark 16. The point is the response. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. And the archbishop, I'll never forget it, looked and smiled sweetly and said, well, I just don't see it that way. Hello. That, my friend, is a disconnect between your head and your life. And that's never healthy. That's never right. Or I read a manual of a denomination uh, they, uh, it's, it's not a creed book to them, but it's very similar. It's called a manual. And it said in there, uh, this is an old Baptist manual, I guess I should just say that, uh, published in the 40s. And it said, originally, people were immersed for the remission of their sins, and it was a requir- considered a requirement for salvation. And the next line, but that has now changed. Who changed it? If your head says to be baptized, be baptized. What if your heart says, I just don't feel that that's important. You know, your feelings aren't that important. Listen to your head. Your head is Christ. But this goes another way as well. I was in a church of Christ in Michigan when a woman came up to me at, uh, during one of the breaks to complain because people like to do that with visiting ministers. Because uh, they feel like, all right, they're the hired gun. Maybe they can do something. And she came up and she goes, ah, no good discussion ever starts with that. I didn't say what, because that just invites the problem. I just waited. It's coming. She goes, what do you think about the music they're singing here? And looked over at her and I said, why are you asking me? It's not my church. She goes, well, I know you don't go here. I said, no, that's not the point. It's not my church. They weren't singing to me. I I cannot judge a present given to somebody else. She tried to backtrack and said, well, I love the line. She actually said, these words came out of a human mouth. She said, they're just not singing the songs God likes. (laughs) You know, I'm in now. I'm in. Let's go. Let's play. (laughs) I, I, I said, what's what would some of those songs be? And she named off several that were fine songs. And I said, I'm going out on a limb here, shot in the dark, all that sort of thing, leaping into the well of ignorance. But um, would those happen to be songs you like? She goes, well, yes. I said, dodged a bullet there, didn't you? And she looked at me, she goes, what do you mean? And I said, that God likes the same songs you like. That's, that's, That's lucky, that is. What if God liked another kind of song? And she'd never thought of that. People, it's not about us. It's about the head. What are we doing for the head? It's his church. We make a mistake when we think the body's in charge of the head. The body can disobey the head, but it will never be in charge of it. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. I pray that the eyes of your, oh, there it is, heart, may be enlightened in order that you may know, all right, that's not a feel, that's a fact, the hope 
to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That power is in you. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age. Can we hit the next slide? There we go. But also in the one, I read faster. But also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything, everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There's not a lot of room there. Have you noticed that? He's placed all things under his feet. Fullness fills everything, every way. There's no room for me to say, well, you know what I think is, uh, let's back off. What does the head say? Every so often as visiting preacher, I'll get an older person. And by the way, this sounds like a slander to older people. I need to make sure you understand something. We in this congregation have, it's just staggering to me, the wonderful mix we have here. We have very old people and people. I'm getting there, so it's not an insult. We also have very young people, and we have a lot of folk in between. And our older people are some of our best members and most supportive of the changes through the years. That's a blessing, people. Go hug a senior today. Not me. But hug a senior today. Now, that said, but there will be some older person at a church I'm visiting that will beckon me over. wanting to make sure they understand, I understand where the power is in this place. And they'll say something like, my family founded this church. Really? And I know what they mean. They mean they started that congregation. But I'm not letting that go. Because God didn't wire me to let that go. And because I didn't go to preacher school where they taught you to be nice. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll look at them and say, really? That's fascinating. Tell me. Always wanted to know, what was Paul really like? And that starts the discussion. It's not our church. We didn't found it. It's his. And we got to remember that. There's no substitute for the head. If I lose an arm and war a disease, they're doing some amazing things with prosthetics. It just blows my mind. And I'm, I, I thank God for the researchers and the labs that are making it all come true. They can give me a new knee. Some of you are going to heaven bet by bet. <laughs> if you were in prison, we could accuse you of escaping bet by bet. This knee, that knee, this hip, that hip, spleen gone, you've just, that's all brilliant. Your head goes, we can't help you. We need a brain replacement, not going to happen. Oh, I know, in the newspapers every now and then they'll say, we're just a few years away from a brain transplant. No, we're not. Newspapers are there to make you read things and buy their products. They're not there to give you science information. And I've gotten that off my chest. Jesus is the source of all life. There is no replacement for Jesus, not even the cultural consensus. We cannot gather in this room and outvote Jesus. 
He is the head. When we demand that the church feed us in a particular way or make our life worthwhile, I'm just not getting what I need out of this church. Really? Huh. It's almost as if you're treating the church like you're treating a meal, a restaurant, or a store and not as a place where we gather to listen to the head, follow the head. By the way, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at me too. More about that later. But look at John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Every so often I bring my wife flowers. Not often enough, but I do. But to me, it's always, I've always thought that was a weird custom. I saw something beautiful. So I killed it. And I brought it to you so you can watch it slowly die. <laughs> it just seems odd somehow. And why would you buy them? You can get them at the, at the cemetery for free. The point, <laughs> ask first, are you done with them? But then, uh, and remove all the cards. That's important. I don't want to tell you how I know that. The, we are vines of Christ. You cut us off from there. We're nothing. Now, we can replace an arm, but the arm that's cut off is nothing because it's separated from the head. The head is everything. It's critical that we all play our part. You know these passages. First um, Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, 12 through 31. It's a long passage, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all with its many parts form one story, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. That's a whole different subject. We'll get there one day. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed you in the church, first of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guidance, all, of all different kinds of tongues, are all apostles. 
Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. By the way, he goes from there to say the greatest gifts, love. Everything to do about love. So you have to follow that context. I've had people look at me and say, you know, uh, we're losing our little toes. To, you know, evolution's pulling those away because we don't need them anymore. And they use those as illustrations because they're small and kind of turned to the side and the like. Two problems with that. One, if you go to countries where they don't wear shoes, their little toes just fine. Ours is put that way because the way we wear shoes. Second, we need our little toes. They help us find tables in the dark. They help us remember words we've not said for a while. (laughs) Every part of our body is necessary. Jesus is the head. When we fail to do our part, exercise our gift, we're a drag on the body. We're rebellion, in rebellion to our head. So where's your head? I'm sorry, where's your body taking your head? You're walking around and your head is Christ. Where are you taking your head? Would Jesus be comfortable where you've taken him this week? Would Jesus be comfortable in the conversations where you have placed him this week? Would he be comfortable at your dinner table? Would he be comfortable at that concert? Would he be comfortable? You get the point. Where are you taking your head? We often have an ambivalent authority toward I'm sorry, ambivalent relationship toward authority. We'll have anti-police demonstrations where policemen are protecting them. And we'll, we'll rail against that. They shouldn't be protesting the police. And then we're driving on the interstate and there's one right behind us. We're going, stop it. Go away. We want them, we don't want them. And the same with authority. We like authority when it keeps other people in line. We're not so keen on it when it puts us in line. So men... As you practice the headship required of you, are you doing so according to the model of Christ? Duty, sacrifice, responsibility. He had all that power. What did he ever do for himself? He didn't heal himself. He didn't make food for himself. He took care of others with that power. How are you exercising the headship that Jesus gave you? Remember, As well, authority is earned, it's not given. How did Christ get the authority to be our head? By the things that he suffered. You remember Philippians 5, verses, I'm sorry, 2, verses 5 through 11? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Could we just stop there and be busy the rest of our lives? I think so. Who being in very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I was humbled and proud of you last week that so many of you listened so well to the King of Kings sermon. 
I saw on Facebook and Twitter some of, several of you putting up a line that I used, one day every knee shall bow, bow now and avoid the rush. And I thought, they got it. We need to ask every single day, is your knee bowing? Am I giving authority to the head or am I listening to the body? Those who bow later will not be bowing in submission. They'll be bowing in defeat. You're going to bow one way or the other. Let's bow in submission. For there is authority and power behind that headship of Jesus Christ. He came to us this first Sunday of Advent. He came to us as a form as a baby laying in a manger. But the scripture says the next time he comes will be at the head of a host of angels. The last time it was the songs of the heavenly chorus. The next time it will be with fire. He is king. He is head. And there is no other. I'm going to ask Mark to bring his team up. While they do that, I want to read. It's not going to be on the PowerPoint. I ask them not to do that. There are those in the past who have tried a coup against the head. They've tried to displace God. A passage in Isaiah 14 is about a human king, but it is generally believed it is also about Satan. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, in your heart, I will ascend to the nations. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. It goes on, Isaiah 14, if you want to look at it later. As one author put it, Satan tried a coup against God, but Satan couldn't even get past God's secretary. Ask yourself, and where I'm taking my head, and the way am I, I am living, am I trying a coup against my head in this conversation, in this behavior, or am I listening to my head? Would you stand, please? The scripture says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And that's true. And we just thanked him over Thanksgiving. And we should always be thankful. And as a rule, we are. But we also need to remember he is not just the giver of gifts. He is Lord. He is not just our friend and savior. He is king. Listen to your head. Go where your head directs you. Say what he directs you. But also don't go where he doesn't want you. And don't take him where he does not belong. Listen to your head. Listen to Jesus. Amen, church?